Hey folks, thanks for joining us here with the Mind Reach podcast. Today I have a, a great guest, Christine Schneider, who's a private practice licensed professional counselor here to help us talk about breaking the silence on mental illness. Christine, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you give us just a, a quick background on you, education, and kind of your work and all that? Absolutely. So I am originally from Michigan. I got my bachelor's degree there, and then I went on to Chicago, um, where I got my master's of clinical psychology at the Illinois School of Professional Psychology. Um, and then I worked actually outside of the field for a few years and then kind of got back to it. Um, my best friend that I met in graduate school was born and raised and living in, and working in Chattanooga and uh, recruited me basically to come down here about seven years ago. And um, I started working with children and families in the rural communities, the rural counties surrounding Hamilton County and um, worked my way up. And I am, like you said, I'm in um, independent private practice right now, but I also continue to work um, one day a week at the Helen Ross McNabb Center, um, which is actually now the McNabb Center. Well, great. Um, so typically or traditionally, mental illness is not talked about at all or very little. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that's the case? And then has that been changing more recently? That's a really good question. So um, I think there's just always been a big stigma around mental health and mental illness. Um, people don't like talking about it. People, I don't think like thinking that there is something quote unquote wrong with them, even though that's not the case. Um, mental health and mental illness are two conversations that we can have that are the same, but are also very different. Um, has it changed? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's continuing to change day by day. I think that social media has given a really good platform for a lot of positive change to occur. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say also the negative change, how accessibility to just really a lot of negativity. Um, it's just there at your fingertips, whereas before it took a lot longer to kind of get, get around to everybody. Um, but I think that, I think that the more people that are using social media specifically and, um, and other types of media using it for good. I know a lot of celebrities out there right now are pushing for a lot of um, importance to be placed on mental health and mental illness, not only in, in um, well, in every community, really. How, how do you kind of start to overcome that stigma or what is it that goes into it? Is it simply talking about it or is there framing? Uh, just walk me through it. Well, talking about it is definitely the start. Um, I think that if we don't talk about it and bring awareness to it and, you know, normalize it, then it's going to continue to be something that's a stigma. At the end of the day, mental health and mental illness by extension are just as important as physical health and physical illnesses. Um, so the more that we normalize it, the more that we connect those two, I think the more, um, the more people will gain access to it and it won't be as, as bad or as big of a deal to, to go seek out a therapist. Um, they'll feel comfortable talking to their doctors about it. Their doctors should be comfortable talking to their patients about it. Um, so, I mean, talking about it, bringing awareness to it, just having it be in conversation, not having it be so bad that, you know, we're going to be vulnerable and talk about our feelings. 
Well, you say mental health is as important as physical health, mm-hmm. and that seems to be a newer message. Um, why do you say that's the case? Um, well, I think it goes back to the stigma around mental health. You know, when we talk about when we're talking about mental health, we're basically uh, talking about opening up to somebody, being vulnerable with somebody about our feelings and about the things that are kind of deep down inside of us. And that's yucky. Nobody really likes doing that. Um, Being vulnerable inherently means that you're opening up to somebody, allowing them to come back at you. And it's really hard to build that trust with somebody. And um, which is why therapy can be so valuable because you're talking to a neutral party. You know, you're talking to somebody who's trained in it. You're talking to somebody who, that is their job to create a space to allow you to open up about your feelings. Um, and then if they're a good therapist, they're not going to judge you for it. I mean, that's, that's the point of us. So, um, so yeah. Do you, do you think it's still the case where the stigma or this mindset of, of potentially like I shouldn't be having these things or people aren't talking about them. So if I'm going through this, I'm, I'm not, good enough or I'm faulty in some way Mm -hmm. is that holding people back from getting help or what barriers might be in the way oh I definitely think that that's holding people back um I'm a firm believer that we've got this sort of negative belief system um instilled inside of us based on a lot of our negative experiences in our lives um and we need that positive belief that those positive outcomes to talk a little bit louder than the negative ones um and for us to find balance. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes they do. Um, but yeah, I think that those, those beliefs and, and that, you know, something is quote unquote inherently wrong with me is definitely the driving force to not want people to go seek out therapy or to talk about mental health. Um, the big thing that I would say to that is that you're not alone. I mean, it's like that classic case of like, you know, you're sitting in a classroom and how many teachers have turned around and said, well, I always ask your questions because chances are, if you've got the questions somebody else does, um, it's exactly the same way with mental health. Nobody is ever alone. Uh, There are hundreds of millions of people on this planet that are feeling the same way. Can we talk for a second or can you inform us for a second about, um, kind of that difference you were, you were mentioning earlier between mental health and mental illness, because I, I think, and you talked a little bit about, um, you know, you need to build trust with, with a therapist or with anyone in order to open up a little bit, to be a little bit vulnerable. Um, but there's also, or you can correct me here, a distinction between um, the emotional side of it or potentially things you've gone through Um and the more physiological or chemical side of it where things are totally off balance and, um, or maybe not totally, but are off balance and you need someone to, to kind of help you through that. Can you talk? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Course? So the one thing that I'll say about that is that you very rarely can't have one without the other. I mean, if you've got the flu or, you know, if you threw your back out, you're going to, be feeling a little bit more miserable, maybe a little bit more irritable than if you didn't throw your back out. And so I think that they're all the emotional and the physical, it's all really interconnected anyway. Um, But just like you have physical things that are going on um, when it comes to the flu or cancer or, you know, any of those other 
um, physical illnesses that can be diagnosed by a doctor. There are mental illnesses that can be diagnosed by therapists and other professionals, licensed professionals in the field. Um, and, uh, um, just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, but um, mental health, I think, is is the umbrella, and mental illness is is part of it. Um, you know, when we talk about mental health, we can also talk about self care, and um, you know, being really connected to our own our own physical health and our own. Um, positives and negatives and, and in-betweens and where we're at with our daily life and whether or not stress is affecting us or not affecting us, it becomes more of a mental illness when, when all of those things that are kind of getting in our way get in our way so much so that we cannot continue to carry on going to work or trying to find a job or trying to get housing or maintaining our own finances. When things start to get in the way of us being um, what we would consider on an individual basis, really productive and doing the things that we need to do daily, that's when it becomes more of a mental illness that treatment needs to be sought for. Um, as far as, you know, the chemicals go, there's the, what, some of the best treatment that you can get is um, what we say talk therapy, which is going to a therapist and talking through a lot of the challenges that you're going through as paired with medication management. Um, through a nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist or another doctor. Um, so a lot of times when it comes to depression, anxiety, bipolar, um, uh, a lot of those, in addition to a million more um, uh, mental illnesses, diagnoses, getting both can be really helpful. Do you see differences in how different communities or, you know, like minority groups or subcultures or any of that, how they handle mental illness differently? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think each culture has a different um, stance on how they view mental health and mental illnesses and how they want to take care of it. Um, I would probably say overarching the biggest challenge is um, cultural barriers and, and how accessible mental health facilities are to, um, to those communities. And it's a lot of like, you know, historically pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but that doesn't work. Resiliency has to be learned and it's learned in really early age. Um, and without that, it gets really hard um, it gets really hard to manage. And so building that foundation is really, um, it's really key and getting, um, kind of like de decreasing that stigma in some of those communities when it comes to, to culture. So using a lot of agencies in our area, um, that provide services within the communities is really helpful. Um, and then showing a lot of, medical doctors where those um, where those organizations and agencies are, where those therapists are, and how they can be accessible to to these potential clients that are coming to their doctor seeking from help. Nine times out of 10, they're going to go to their doctor first. Can we talk more about accessibility? Because I think of it as, or not so much I think of it as, but it, there's a notion where there are plenty of resources available out there 
somewhere if you go seek them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does accessibility, particularly for some of these different communities or, or you know, subgroups, um, where's, where's the disconnect and what can we do, if anything, to mm-hmm. kind of help bridge that gap? I think the biggest disconnect is still that stigma around mental health. And, um, and a lot of communities, a lot of cultures, um, it's also the stigma of physical health as well. Um, I know that there's just, there's a lot of communities out there. I know specifically in the African-American and black community, there's still so much stigma about not going to the doctors just because historically doctors have been really just not, not good to put it very nicely um, to that community. And so why would you, why would you go to a doctor that historically has treated you like dirt on the ground? Um, Worse in some cases. And so um, going to a mental health, going to a therapist, going to another agency can be really challenging because again, you're asking to be vulnerable. You're asking somebody to open up to you. And especially if you don't really feel like they're going to understand, it takes a lot of time to build that relationship. Um, to kind of go back to your question a little bit more directly, talking about it, educating, edit, educating the communities, um, talking to the medical practitioners that are in there, um, like within their communities, and then just, I, well, again, just talking about it. What, what can we do either as the, the public in general or as possibly a, a friend of someone we see going through some mental health worries? What can we do to help bring more awareness out, to help kind of decrease that stigma, to encourage or motivate them to get the help that they may need? That's a good question. Um, just be a really supportive, kind person. <laughs> kind of take their cues um, from them. And, you know, if you know that they're not seeing a therapist and if you are both in a trusting relationship, just kind of stick it in there and say, hey, um, do you, do you need somebody else to talk to? I can help you find somebody. Um, but just being, being a really good, um, a really good support for that person. You never know what somebody is coming to in a relationship or as an individual at all. I mean, you could see them in the grocery store, you could be, you know, friends or family with them. So you never even know what their background, what their foundation is. Um, so just treating everybody with kindness, knowing that, that you don't know where they're coming from and you don't know how they're reacting to the things that they might've experienced in their life. Is there anything that we're, that we're missing or at least from, from me asking questions, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think, yes, this is a key piece people need to understand and run with? No, mental health is just as important as physical health and talk about it. (laughs) It doesn't have to be scary. So, and then and this series we're doing is, is particularly for, for younger people, for the youth, you know, um, children, young adults, teenagers. Is there anything that you see that's different for that group of people in particular versus adults? I would say the biggest thing is that if you're under the age of 18, um, your parents need to be on board with a lot of stuff. And that can be really challenging. Now in the state of Tennessee, if you're 16 years old, you can make all mental health and medical decisions for yourself. Um, should you be able to, and should you choose to, um, so that's really helpful, but still, um, 
chances are you're still going to need to get a parent or guardian on board. And sometimes that can be a challenge. I think this generation is a lot more mental health aware than a lot more previous generations with obvious exceptions. Um, but it still, it still becomes a challenge when you're, when you're a kid living in a home and you're kind of at the mercy of the adults around you. Yeah. Is there, is there any advice or takeaway for, for those listening who might be in that position? It's hard right now with COVID because nine times out of 10, I'll just be like, talk to your teachers, go to your school counselor, um, go to your principal, go to somebody else that you trust a coach, um, somebody at, um, any religious organization that they might be a part of. With COVID right now, I know schools are opening up, but there's always the risk of them being shut down again. And it's not even ever 100% of schools. And so um, still use those resources, still reach out. It just becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, but with school doing, doing everything virtual, you still have an opportunity to maybe email your teacher. It's just harder because you're at home. So, so bigger recap, there's still a very strong stigma around mental health, mental illness. It's getting better thanks to social media, even though that brings its own challenges and negative possible negativities. Um, if we re really want to help others around us, we just need to, to be a kind, caring, considerate person, talk to them, ask how we can help, um, keep an eye out for them. Um, and if you're, if you're in a position where you're thinking, Hey, I, I could really use some help or just someone to lean on um but your parents or guardians aren't uh on board with it look to your to your educators or other people you've got in your life is that a, a fair summary yeah yeah i think on that last piece i would say you know reach out to them to see what additional help is out there and talk to your parents too i mean sometimes our parents or guardians might surprise us um if if the youth feels like their parents or guardians might be receptive, then, then absolutely, absolutely do that. Um, but, you know, teachers have so much on their plate right now. So I'm not saying that the teachers need to be the counselors in any capacity, teachers, not at all. Um, but they have a whole bunch of resources and they can take the time to try to help steer you in the right direction. All right. Well, Christine, thank you so much for your, your time and advice here. Yeah, thank you.